If you uh, haven't noticed that there's a, a parliamentary inquiry into how we decide to go to war, then you're forgiven. It has, in a sense, been flying under the radar, but it deserves, in fact, demands a lot of attention because the Joint Standing Committee on Foreign Affairs, Defence and Trade is looking at how and primarily who makes the decision to send our service personnel to wars in other countries. Now, that decision is currently made by the PM and a select circle of his or her choosing. Both uh, Richard Miles, the new Defence Minister who asked for the inquiry, and Linda Reynolds, the Shadow Defence Minister, have indicated they want to keep the status quo. So we thought we should hear from some other points of view. We welcome Chris Barry to the program. Chris is a former Chief of the Defence Force and before that, Head of the Navy. He now has a number of significant roles at the ANU. And, I like this, he's Australian Chair of the Global Military Advisory Council on Climate Change. And it, I welcome back to the program my old friend Alison Bronowski, former diplomat who's spoken to us many times over the years, principally about her deep knowledge of matters Asian. Alison is president of the advocacy group Australians for War Powers Reform. Alison, I know your group has made a submission to the inquiry, and submissions are closing very soon, by the way. But Chris Barry, you didn't make a submission. Why not? Well, Philip, I think uh, as a former chief of the Defence Force, uh, you can argue that I've got some skin in the game about what I think. And uh, frankly, I think this is a, a conversation and a debate the Australian community needs to have because uh, I support uh, the basic notion of having the parliament uh, decide to send Australian troops to a war or conflict in other countries. But I think the community needs to have that conversation without people like me getting in the way. <laughs> uh, and that's why I think the uh, the War Powers Reform people are doing a valuable service in putting out the issues and, and canvassing well, I'm very glad you're getting in the way on our little wireless program, Chris. And so you emphatically believe that when it comes to sending our troops to war, the Australian people should have their say through their members of parliament. That's absolutely correct. OK, let's now swing over to you, Alison. Uh, what, do you, what does your group the Australians uh, for War Powers Reform, say should happen in either of the two scenarios. First of all, an overseas war. Secondly, a war of defence. Well, in the first place, Philip, uh, a war of defence is something that every country uh, has a complete right in international law to defend itself against at once. And it would obviously be, in most cases, a, a dire emergency. That remains unchanged. There is nothing that uh, ought to be uh, modified about that. We have signed up to that in the UN Charter, and no country that I know of disagrees. But in the second point, an overseas war 
is a question of whether it is a war of choice, as to say it might be a war of aggression, and in that case, what is the justification for it, why do we need to do it, and what is involved. So, in other words, the old story, what is happening, how does it affect Australia, what should Australia do about it? That's what, what Whitlam said, and he was right. And that is exactly the sort of question that we in Australians for War Powers Reform advocate should be resolved by the parliament, not by the prime minister of the day and his um, coterie of advisers. Now, Chris, tell us what happened with Afghanistan and Iraq. Yes, well, it was interesting, Philip, because um, I wasn't actually in Australia at the time. I was in the UK uh, at the Oxford University and watching what was taking place in um, in uh, not in our name, Mr Blair, campaigns uh, in the UK. Uh, and I found it very interesting personally because as a former military uh, chief, uh, there were people at Oxford who wanted uh, my opinion as to whether we should or whether we shouldn't be going into Iraq. And, of course, uh, no-one will forget that the campaign uh, that sought to legitimise the uh, invasion of Iraq was based around the possession of WMD by Saddam Hussein, and that later proved to be uh, a falsehood uh, and in many ways was stitched up um, by the United States administration and supported by uh, at least uh, Tony Blair and uh, John Howard. Uh, and, and that was the causus belli for that invasion. So, interestingly, sorry, but we we believe we go to war based on good intelligence. But you're making the very powerful case, reminding us that certainly in the case of the Iraq invasion, and an invasion it technically was, the intelligence was woeful. That's correct. Uh, anyone who's uh, waded through the Chilcot report that was uh, conducted in the United Kingdom can see that as plain as anything. And uh, 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 it disappoints me because a very good friend of mine, Colin Powell, was the US Secretary of State, and, and it cost him his reputation and his career. Um, uh, this whole uh, setup um, to go to war on the 20th of March uh, 2003 into Iraq invasion of another country um, because we thought it was a good idea for whatever reason. Uh, I still really haven't satisfied myself whether that was chasing uh, oil supplies or trying to complete an incomplete uh, job on Iraq uh, following the first Gulf War or what. But nonetheless, we now know that uh, the intelligence story that was being put out to communities in our three countries was a falsehood. Back to, uh, to you, Alison. Your advocacy group has been calling for an inquiry like this, well, for yonks. So you must be quite pleased that uh, Richard Miles, the Defence Minister, has requested the inquiry. But there's a paradox here. He doesn't appear to be ex exactly approaching it with an open mind. That's true, Philip. And we were indeed delighted on the 30th of September to be telephoned by the chair of the subcommittee and be told that, hey, it's up. 
after 12 years of our group advocating for this and for the inquiry that Chris just mentioned, which never happened, but we have been trying ever since then to get uh, an an inquiry into how Australia goes to war. And we advocate a change, a very simple legislative change to the Defence Act to achieve that. But while we were delighted to get that news, on the very same day, Richard Miles, the Defence Minister, who had whose job it was to order the inquiry, uh, stated that he wanted no change to the status quo, and that, in a way, I don't know whether it's possible to um, sort of uh, influence uh, the process, the judicial, the, the parliamentary process, but it seemed to me that he was interfering in it. And he made it very clear about what, where he wanted it to come out. Now, the people we've been talking to, the chair of the committee and, and others, are desperate to get this done because Labor promised it twice in opposition. They said that they would do this, they would have this inquiry, they would look at this issue that Australians have been talking about for so long and get something done. Now, what we now fear, in spite of our um, delight, is that it has been stitched up even from the beginning and that this thing will be taken through a, process, a slow process of inquiry, recommendation, up the line, and then buried. And I'll tell you what burying it would amount to. They will come out, if I'm right, I hope I'm not, they will come out with something that sounds good to most people. Yes, they'll say, we should always have a debate before Australia goes to war. Oh, people will say, oh, that's good then. That's okay then, isn't it? But it isn't okay because that's what we have already. We can already debate until the cows come home. We did that about Vietnam. We did that indeed about Iraq. But unless there is a vote, and we would prefer a vote in both houses of parliament, unless there is a vote, it's the status quo. It's just what we've got already. And they, they will say, we will scrutinise. We will have scrutiny and debate. You can scrutinise all you like. That just means reading stuff, looking at stuff. But unless you have a vote, then it remains, the power remains in the small group uh, under the Prime Minister that you described at the beginning. Chris Barry, one of the issues raised against having a parliamentary vote are inevitably security concerns. Highly sensitive intelligence should uh, possibly not be shared with all MPs. Well, I think that's absolutely right. I don't think we want to share uh, highly sensitive intelligence with just anybody, certainly not anyone who hasn't got a proper security clearance. Uh, but I actually don't think that's the core of the issue here. Uh, I do think that the community does have uh, common sense and I think the community expects its members of parliament to be able to decide whether or not it makes sense to uh, have a resolution in the parliament to commit Australian troops to overseas service in conflict and war. Uh, and in a, in a particularly uh, sensitive situation which breaks with no notice, 
uh, as uh, Alison's already indicated, if we're talking about uh, a war of defence, uh, then I think we act in self-defence and we can always follow up with a resolution in the parliament having already taken some action. But on the former case, let's, let's be clear, no one commits to going and doing that within minutes or hours of, of the game plan. Uh, and, and I think that's the point that allows a resolution of the parliament to take place. Chris, you've uh, cited East Timor and Iraq as uh, two case studies. You do this in public lectures. Can you tell yes. us about them? Well, I can tell you about East Timor because I was the chief of the defence force whose architecture that was. And I always found it curious um, that uh, in East Timor, we obtained the agreement of the government of Indonesia to act on behalf of the United Nations to uh, head up the uh, Interfed Security Force. And I make the point that had we gone there, even though nearly 90% of the Australian community was for it, had we gone there without the agreement of the government of Indonesia, we would have been invading what was then known to be Indonesia. Uh, we did not do that, and we worked we worked assiduously um, to get the government of Indonesia to agree when the security broke down that Australia should lead a UN-mandated uh, force to go into East Timor. And that, uh, to my mind, created the legitimacy for what we did uh, in 1999. Alison, there's, an, there's another option for decision-making on war in between the PM and his inner circle and the whole of Parliament, and that's a bipartisan war council of some sort. What do you think of that? Yeah, that has been proposed, Philip, by several people, um, and and it is, in fact, what other democracies do because, let's face it, we are not Robinson Crusoe in this business. Every other country like ours in the world confronts exactly the same question. And why it is that we have to behave differently from them, I really don't know, because numerous other countries have dealt with this question satisfactorily in the kind of way that you describe. Some of them set up a, a sort of an internal multi-party or bi-party committee who are security cleared and who get given the information in ways that uh, make it possible for them to give informed decisions. And, and that is one way of doing it. The only hesitation that arises about that is that when you do it, you create a, an inner circle which is not much different from the prime minister of the day and his or her inner cabinet. And they all get huge status, I have to say, out of being exposed to this intel. And really, if they are being, if the democracy of Australia is being represented, what we are seeking is to have every member of the parliament and of, the, uh, of both houses responsible back to their own electorates for a decision to go to war. And it may be taken on party lines. If it works that way, well, okay, that's democracy too. But they need to be accountable because if the war is a disaster, as all of our wars since Vietnam have been, 
if it's a disaster, they need to be answerable to people who will say to them, hey, you voted for that, didn't you? And the person has to then say, well, I did. And that really stiffens the spine, as we think it should. As a, a select committee of, of highly informed, intelligence-cleared people doesn't necessarily do that. I thank you both for coming on. We've been listening to Alison Bronofsky, former diplomat and president of Australians for War Powers Reform, and to Chris Barry, former chief of the Defence Force. And if you want to make a submission to the inquiry, this Friday, the 18th of November, is the deadline. ABCRN helps you understand the world. Find more of our stories on the ABC Listen app.